Remember that we've been looking at the Holy Spirit in, in different ways. And uh, if you missed any of those, I highly recommend you go back onto the website and you re-watch watch the videos that were recorded. But over the past few weeks, we've looked at how the presence of God is working in us, working for us and working through us, and how God's love is poured out on our hearts and how we can receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, how God allows his Holy Spirit to draw us to him so that we can know him personally as, and be sort of deeply loved sons and daughters. Tim also last week was sharing about how the Holy Spirit can give us as a church gifts for specific purposes. Um, but today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit empowers us and works through us to reach the world. So um, I'm going to start with this picture here. Um, who give me a th- give me a thumbs up, thumbs down? I do this in school with children, so you can manage it. I'm sure. Who thinks they're fairly confident they know the story of Pentecost and what happened around the events of Pentecost? Yeah, that's a pretty confident lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So I'm not going to tell you anything new now because you know all of it. Um, <laughs> but if I if I just um, I just summarise and put it into context, roughly what you think. Um, so we've got this pivotal moment in the world's history. Almost 2,000 years ago, we've had Jesus has been crucified. He's come back to life. He's been with the disciples for about 40 days after his crucifixion. And then he, we have Ascension Day when he goes up to heaven. And after that, the disciples are left in um, sort of meeting in, in secret, really, and trying to figure out what they should do, because Jesus has told them to wait until he sends the Holy Spirit. And it's in, um, it's all recorded in the book of Acts. So if you wanted to follow through, it's in Acts chapter one and chapter two that we're going from today, although we're not going to read all of that. Um, I'm going to pick bits as we go through. And, um, in Acts chapter one, verse 15, it says that there were about 120 men and women believers. So already we've gone beyond 12. We've got about 120 of them in Jerusalem. And at this point in this room, there's this supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are transformed. They're suddenly able to, they're given this gift of being able to speak in different languages. That's one of the things Tim was talking about. Sometimes we can just be given a specific gift by the Holy Spirit for a point in time, for a reason. Um, but thinking more like a historian, the, then if we look at what happens next, it's, it's incredible. So you could have been a, a Roman observer of what happens next, imagine that. Because instead of staying in the secret room or being in private where these 120 people are worshipping with each other, suddenly they gain this confidence, this boldness, this passion to go out and spread the good news. They can't contain themselves. They can't stay behind those doors. And they go out. They go to the very place where Jesus was arrested, where Jesus was preaching, where there was opposition, where they go into the place where the Romans are not going to be happy they're having mass gatherings where the Jewish leaders are going to be in opposition to them. They flood out and they start speaking in the languages they've been given so that everybody there can understand them. They've gained this urgency, this desire to be out there preaching. Now, since um, since I was born, which is 50 years ago, um, did you know that the world's population has doubled? We've gone to now from 4 billion when I was born to 8 billion people on this planet. It's mental, isn't it? 
Um, you may not have noticed that in your communities doubling in size, but worldwide, you know, there are cities which have gone far more than doubling. They're massive, massive cities around our world. Um, but they estimate around 2.4 billion people on this planet would identify as being Christian. That's an incredible number of people who would say that their belief system is based on Christianity. Even if maybe they don't have a strong sense of God personally working in their lives day by day, but they would identify with that. So we've gone from those 12, those 120, to those 3,000 people being added to their number in one day after Pentecost. 3,000 people in one day got baptized. To having 2.4 billion people on our planet at the moment who would identify as being Christian. So I would say there's one thing is for certain, is just as the disciples were sent out to every nation, the gospel has spread, hasn't it? And we've got that incredible situation where 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit was already at work before the Holy Spirit sent them out into Jerusalem. Because we know from the Bible passage that in Jerusalem at that time were people gathered from every corner of the known world who had come to Jerusalem for, uh, it would have been a, a Jewish festival called um, Shavuot, I think, I put in my notes. Um, I've jumped ahead a bit, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so they, they would have come to Jerusalem from all over. So the Holy Spirit placed them there uniquely. So they became witnesses and they heard about the gospel and the good news. And then from there, those 3,000 people baptized and more would have gone back to their community spreading the gospels that's gone around the globe today. So I would say that God has this heart for his gospel message to be spread to every single person on this planet, all 8 billion of us currently. And of those 8 billion people, you are uniquely placed with people around you. And God is going to uniquely use you in your place, wherever that might be, in your day, in your nights, if you're working night shifts, whatever it might be, in your families, in your communities. God is placing you there uniquely to meet the needs of those people around you and to bring his Holy Spirit into those situations. But we're not going to do that alone because God empowered them through the Holy Spirit. God gave them the strength to do it just as he will give us the strength that we need. So there we are. First, Jesus tells them. So this is before Jesus goes up into heaven. He's met with them. And in verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's easier for us, perhaps, to travel to the ends of the earth now than it was then. But immediately after they've received that, any hesitation is overcome, and they rush out onto the streets to talk about God to those around them. So, yeah, I jumped ahead, didn't I? So I said in the next slide, I said, so it says here, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Many of them were likely to have made up the 3,000 that baptized that day. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they were declaring that God had raised Jesus to life, and they were witnesses to that having happened. They continue to meet. They continue to do like we do now. They worship together, they celebrate together, they pray together. And notice the key bit here, they share hospitality with each other. Every day, 
They met in the temple courts. They shared hospitality, inviting others into their homes. They break bread together in their homes. They eat together with gladness and sincerity in their hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think that's just as true now as that as we receive the Holy Spirit, we can meet and worship together in this room, but we can also invite others through hospitality to our home, to a cafe, to um, for a walk together and show hospitality and meeting with people and sharing the Holy Spirit and, sh- and sharing the message of the good news. So that's kind of like the backstory, isn't it? The Pentecost story. In terms of how we go about sharing the good news, I've got some sort of pointers that I work with that you may find. A little list. We go on a little bit, a couple more slides. There, this one. That's it. Um, I know lots of you will be doing things on this list. Some of you do all of it. Some of you may do not very much of it. But I, I sort of, I was trying to think, how do I actually go about sharing the Holy Spirit? How do I go about sharing the gospel with people? So these are some of the practical things I put. I try to be real and I try to be honest. I try not to be super spiritual in the words and the language I use. I just try to talk about, this is what my life is like. This is what I do. I don't hide the questions and doubts that I have. If I'm struggling with something, I will talk about that. I will be honest about things I understand and things I'm not so sure about. And my how I'm trying to find out and learn more, maybe by studying my Bible or things, trying to find out more about who God is and how he loves me. I will try and do it in a natural way, not in a forced and unusual way. I am not going to stand on Park Street with a placard on me and start shouting out Bible passages. For some people, that may be a very natural thing to do for them to do. For me, I would die a death. <laughs> okay. So we're not all called to be, you know, evangelists in a big, you know, stand on the stage and proclaim, you know, the gospel message to thousands of people in the stadium. We're not Billy Grahams. We're not necessarily called to stand on the street corner and shout. But you are called to do something in the place that you're in. I will offer to pray for people. If somebody, I'm having a conversation and they're upset, I'm, I will quite happily drop into the conversation, would you like me to pray for that? Either there and then or later in the week, whatever it might be. And I might come back to them and ask them how it's been and whether my prayers made a difference. I try to ask them about what they believe. I want to engage in conversation to find out where they're at. Um, I'm curious as to what their belief system is and what they're thinking. And that can give you a door and an opportunity to talk about what your belief system is. I try not to get frustrated if I can see that they're, they're, it's just like, I really can't comprehend that way of doing it. That, that's difficult for me. But I try not to show necessary frustration in that um, as I'm sharing with them or asking them questions. I know that um, I can't do it on my own. I need to approach it with the Holy Spirit to guide me in what I say and what I do. I need to wait for those opportunities. I need to be ready for those opportunities. I need to maybe silently pray and ask God to drop those opportunities into conversation. I need to make sure that my actions speak the same as my words. It's no good me telling somebody that, you know, as Christians we need to be compassionate and kind and caring and then when a child comes to me because they've grazed their knee in their playground, I don't bother doing anything about it. 
No, it's a, of course we would. But I'm trying to think, you know, you, if, if we live out our actions and the language that we use and the things that we say, we don't join in with the swearing in the workplace or something, people will notice that difference as you stand apart. We can be in the world in a place where people behave very differently. You can be in a pub full of drunk people and not be drunk. You know, you can be in your workplace with people swearing and not swear. You can be in your place but then stand out and be different and stand for the principles and the things that you believe. And then the last one I put on there is practicing hospitality. Now, I am, I am lucky. I am blessed with a wife who's very good at this. And I lean heavily on her. Um, and occasionally she'll get me to help, but well, quite often. Um, but it's lovely, isn't it, to be able to share hospitality. You may not have that opportunity in your home. You might live somewhere where you can't invite people back. But maybe you can invite somebody to come and have a coffee with you after church down at Costa or something. You know, there are, there are things that we can do. You can ask people to come for a walk with you with your dog and have a chance to talk and share with them. That, in some ways, is as much being hospitable um, as having somebody around for a meal. So, there you are. That was a list of things I think about, but I'm sure you will have your own ones. Um, how practically I try to use the Holy Spirit to guide me and help me in the things that I do. So... But apart from doing stuff in our in Bristol every day, I w- we also sometimes get the opportunity to do something a little bit different. Um, and I've had the opportunity in the past, and so has Kath, to spend some time with YWAM. We trained with them. We went on outreach. Um, and uh, it's been lovely to see Nathan decide for himself that he wanted to do something similar. So, Nathan, I'm going to invite you to come up now and... I've, I, the brief I said to Nathan, I said, look, can you just try and think about over the last six months how the Holy Spirit sort of was with you and guided you and some of the stuff that happened, because loads of amazing stuff happened, but just to pick a few things to tell us about this morning. Thank you for that. Before I start, I'm just going to say I've had a bit of a sore throat, so hopefully you can hear me clearly enough. Um, yeah, leading on from what my dad said, I'm going to share a bit about my experiences with the Holy Spirit on my um, mission trip. So for the past six months, I've been completing a discipleship training school with a Christian organization you may have heard of called Youth of the Mission or YWAM. Um, I, just spend, just, I decided to spend my gap year doing this school largely because of hearing the many stories of my parents um, and how it helped build up their faith. And I wanted to build up my faith as well through that. However, the, the desire I had to go and do that was definitely partly spirit-led as well. Um, I spent what was a glorious summer over in Canada at the school's base going through what was my lecture phase. Um, There's a photo that I took of some mountains. Um, Yeah, each week we'd have a speaker come in and talk on a different aspect of Christianity to help us learn more about it and develop our faith through that. It was in this time, um, in weeks such as Gospel Week and Spiritual Warfare Week, that I came to learn more about the Holy Spirit. I came to understand how reliant some people are on the Holy Spirit and the power that it has to do um, works through us. Near the end of Gospel Week, our lecturer, Josh, felt led to see if the Spirit wanted to speak any prophetic words over us. Um, So as a class, we all sat there with quiet music going um, while our lecturer waited on the Spirit. Then person after person he spoke out what he felt like the spirit was placing on his heart 
and each of my classmates, one by one, received the most incredibly accurate um, encouragements, which tailored to their exact situations. Now, you know, we'd only known Josh for a few days at this point, so it was clear that you know all of this was coming directly from the Holy Spirit. I remember being sat there hearing Josh speak just with the biggest smile on my face because of what was happening. And yeah, it was just such an incredible experience where many of us really saw the Holy Spirit move properly for the first time. So once lecture phase was over, we spent the second half of the school on outreach where we put into practice what we'd learned in the classroom. Um, the base I was doing my DTS at is called to a people called the Shan. They're mainly based in Myanmar, Top at northern Myanmar. Oh, that's not a great photo on there, but sort of that red area. That, that's meant to be uh, Myanmar, and then to the right is Thailand. So we couldn't go to Myanmar because of the coup that was going on, because it wasn't safe. So they sent us to Thailand, where we could hopefully um, yeah, meet some Shan people there. Going out on mission, we knew there were going to be instances when we had to lean on the Holy Spirit more. The biggest difficulty I found was being able to communicate despite the language barrier there was. Um, a couple of times we went on evangelism trips into the center of Chiang Mai where we were staying and I walked around, we walked around just helping, approaching homeless people and handing out these Christian tracts and ties to share the gospel with them. Um, personally, I've made the effort to try and learn a few helpful phrases in Thai like, can I pray for you and God bless you. But the Thai language is very tonal. So even when saying these phrases, how they are spelt out phonetically in English, a lot of people will just look at you blankly because what you've actually said is something very different. <laughs> yeah, but it was moments like this where I knew that I had to trust in the Spirit and that it would do the work that I couldn't. You know, I, I tried to make as much pe- much effort as possible just to be a friendly face to these people that we met and then trust that the Spirit would make up the distance. It was actually times when we were just picking up rubbish on the street that we got the most attentions and most attention from passers-by who were just fascinated as to why, you know, tourists would come and do the work that street cleaners would do. There were other instances when we would have to share a testimony or encourage people without much notice. Um, for most of us, this would mean a frantic few hours trying to put something together in the notes app of our phones. But one of my classmates once decided to just freestyle it and trust in the Holy Spirit. When his turn came to share... It was incredible to see how smooth and clear his talking was. Afterward, he came up to me and said how he just felt completely spirit-led the whole time. And this was so cool to hear, but it also challenged me to put my trust more in the spirit and let it take over when I don't know what to say. It kind of makes so much sense as to why his speech was so smooth, because the spirit is always going to be able to share better than we could ever could. It's clear to me now how Trusting in the Holy Spirit to work in ways that you can't is an incredibly powerful thing to do. But it can also be very calming, trusting in the Spirit, because it will guide you in situations that could otherwise be very nerve-wracking. There's something else that's also very special about being Spirit-filled people going out into the world, and that's the impact it has on our immediate surroundings. The peace that the Holy Spirit, you know, brings flows out of all of us wherever we are. I especially became aware of this at the second ministry we were at called um, Sozo Life. Sozo meaning wholeness in Greek. 
and their ministry was focused on rescuing single mothers and their children and rehoming them from life-threatening situations and then retraining them in different trades to give them a new sort of lease at life. And they had this beautiful piece of land with different homes and offices and a chapel and even a preschool on it. And when we were staying there, our whole team got the sense of such a kingdom atmosphere. Like, you could just really feel God's presence there. And personally, I think that this was because there were so many people that had a living relationship with the Holy Spirit that it just, you know, sort of fell out of them and then made this area just so peaceful. So this was a large reason as to why in the future I definitely want to find Christian communities wherever I am as it kind of creates this perfect environment to grow your faith in. But another aspect of you know how the Holy Spirit can help you going out is that there is authority in it. On spiritual warfare week especially, we learnt about the authority we all have been given to have power over the, the evil that exists in the world. And so in the first property we were staying at, we made sure to pray the Holy Spirit into every single room and sort of cast out any evil that may have been residing there. And lastly, before going on outreach, I specifically had doubts about how useful I'd actually be to the ministries and how useful we'd be as a team. I think, along with many other Christians, I couldn't understand how you could quantify so much expenditure and sort of environmental impact on a singular mission trip. But it was only at the end of our time with the ministries when we kept hearing how much these long-term missionaries had appreciated having us as a team. It was... Yeah, I came to realise how worthwhile it is for visitors to come. They kept telling us how we had provided so much encouragement and spiritual blessing to them. And I realized that without having these short-term teams like us go and sort of help out for a bit, it might be the difference between them continuing or having to stop because they, they're just burnt out. I, I know it's not feasible for everyone to go and do a DTS and visit these long-term missionaries. Even though I do highly encourage it, it's been yeah, life-changing experiences. So, yeah, perhaps think of someone you know that's a long-term missionary and perhaps dedicate some time offering them up to the Lord and just praying into their situation that the Holy Spirit will continue to fill them and give them fueling for the work that they're doing in the future. So, yeah, thanks to you for letting me share. And um, I've got lots more stories. If you want to come and chat to me at all after the service, then please do. Um, Yeah, go back to that. Thank you, Nathan. So I just, I, I, Nathan had a go at going through that. And as he was um, reading it to me, I sort of picked out just sort of six things I'll just mention. Um, what do we bring? What do we offer to the Holy Spirit? Well, I would say that first thing we do is we can actually offer ourselves. We can say to God, use me. Take me where you want me to go. Use me as you want me to. Yeah, as you want me to. We offer ourselves up. We can, um, we offer to uh, be obedient Nathan was obedient to his, his team leaders, but he was also obedient to that calling that God said that he wanted him to go and do the training. We can bring our testimony, just as Nathan shared his testimony this morning, we can be a witness in the place where we're in, in our workplace, in our home, by bringing that testimony. We can bring the Holy Spirit's peace. 
as when we go into situations and we pray for people who are struggling or they're, they're upset or they're, they've been in an argument with somebody, we can just bring the Holy Spirit's peace into that situation by being present there. We can act with God's authority as he um, enables us through the Holy Spirit to, to pray for things, to drive things out that shouldn't be there. And we can just be a blessing. We can bring a blessing through having the Holy Spirit with us when we go into situations to care for and look after others. So I'll come back to what I said at the beginning. Each of you in this room is uniquely placed. God has put you where you are, in your families, in your homes, in your situations for a reason. And he's empowering you through the Holy Spirit to meet with those around you, to be a test to me, to be a witness to, to him. And I thought we couldn't come to the end of a series on the Holy Spirit without actually giving you an opportunity to respond. So I'm going to say that now. I'm going to ask the band to, to come up and to play again, if that's okay. But I wanted each of us to be able to have a chance to respond, either where you are or to turn to somebody next to you to ask a prayer or to maybe to come up the front if you want to do it. Um, at the front, you're, you're welcome to come up. And I would suggest that you think about, is it from the series of things on the Holy Spirit you want to personally be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you feel like you want a renewing of the Holy Spirit as you come forward and somebody to pray for you for that? Do you want to, maybe on your heart, you've got a desire for the mission field. Now, that might be because you want an opportunity to go out and do something. It might be your opportunity, you want somebody to pray for you for your your mission field in your place at the moment, wherever that is, your workplace, your community, your neighbours. Maybe you could come forward and ask for the Holy Spirit for that. And um, maybe it is you're going to stand in the gap. Maybe you've heard something this morning about the hands at work carers in Bandeni or the hands of work team like Joe and Chris and you want to come and stand forward in the gap and pray for them or have somebody pray with you for them so sort of three things there really um, as you feel led whether you want to come up and have um, one of the leadership team or the um, prayer team to pray for you near the front or with somebody beside you but we're just going to take this bit of time to respond and let the Holy Spirit minister to us